art, comedy, pop culture, and much more. You're listening to ACPN. My name is Nicholas Haskins, and I'd like a moment of your time to tell you about the fifth annual Livestream for the Cure. To do that, I brought along two people whom I couldn't do this event without, Gerald Morris and Dan Brennick. Over the past four years, the Livestream for the Cure has raised over $30,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. That contribution is helping to fund research into cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This year, we're aiming for our biggest goal yet as we try to raise $15,000 in 50 hours on the air. Tune in May 19th through the 23rd as we're joined live by podcasters and content creators from around the world. With your help, we can continue the fight for a future immune to cancer. Together, we can make a difference. They say it's not about the destination, but the journey. And while every story has a beginning, we're here to talk about the end. Hey everybody, this is Podcast Rob. And I'm James Hatton. And we are here for yet another episode of The End. Dun dun dun. How's everybody doing out there today? For those who are unaware, we are currently live on Twitch slash something cast. Uh, We do this once a month. The first Tuesday of the month is what we shoot for. And uh, this episode, if you were listening to this, end of April, um, this was recorded a couple weeks back. And you can be here next week, Twitch slash something cast for all of the fun. Some we sort of potluck, which. uh, which show goes becomes the live one? Uh, we try to go for the one that we think everybody will love. Since this is the end, Rob, what are we the ending? We are the ending this month, uh, WandaVision. Uh, we knew that this was one we were going to touch on. We wanted to do it while it was still kind of uh, fresh in the... Pardon. Minds, let's say uh, the uh, the pop culture uh, pulse, uh, and we also knew that this was going to be a good topic to discuss with a live audience in our Twitch chat. So yes. we are here today, shooting this out through the Twitch, and we are going to discuss uh, WandaVision. Uh, first of all, thank you all of us for uh, joining us and listening to this episode. Thank you to all those people who are in our Twitch channel who decided to join us tonight. Uh, we're going to have uh, some good times. Hope you all checked out the episode this morning, uh, our booze episode that was super fun to record. Yeah, I, I mean, as far as our recording style goes, there are some episodes that we do where at the end of it, I kind of go, that was a good one. That was a, that was a good one. Sometimes we're like, oh, we talked about this movie we both hated, but we like obligated ourselves to review it. That was, the booze one was a good one. So if you are new to the something cast, uh, please go back to the April 6th episode. It is our booze episode. It's fantastic. Uh, look into the minds of these two Neanderthals. And also for those who are hanging out in chat or anybody listening at home who is not familiar with the premise of the end, the end, if you are unaware, is about just the last episode. 
we sort of wax poetic about other parts of the series, especially when it's something like uh, a Marvel show like this, where it's all sort of intrinsic. But uh, the goal is to talk about the finale. Was it successful? Was it good on its own? Does it stand the test of time? And all of those wonderful things. What do you got? So, uh, for starters, what did you, what was your overall take on the show? So, I walked into WandaVision looking forward to it, which was weird because, A, I, I, I just don't like Scarlet Witch um, from her comic runs. But I was looking forward to it because it had a bunch of things that I super dig uh, weird niche things. Pleasantville is one of my favorite movies. Truman Show. Like, there was such a weird concept that it starts in the 4-3 and it goes to the widescreen and there's an, a weird world going on. Um, so I will admit, I walked in going, I'm going to enjoy this. And I did. Thoroughly. Like, sat on the edge of my seat, must-watch TV Friday, Saturday. And... Um, it did more than I expected it to. And comparing it to where we are in um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, like I feel like WandaVision had, had established its kind of premise by episode three. That we're in this weird TV world and there's something fucked up about it and we're seeing something different, but we don't know what it is yet. And I don't think Falcon has reached that spot yet. Um, that said, thoroughly loved it. I was all in on WandaVision. What about you? Uh, I I agree. I think one of the things that really kind of dragged me in at the beginning was that the fact that we didn't know what the premise of the show was. Uh, we didn't know what kind of story they were going to tell or how they were going to tell it. It was to not beat a dead horse that we frequently beat on this show. It almost felt lost ish in the way that we didn't really know how lost was going to unfold its story. Uh, and that kind of changed from episode to episode to keep the audience guessing. Uh, WandaVision, I feel did the same thing by, by starting, like you said, in that four three and then going to the 16 by nine and from black and white to color and, kind of working its way through the decades on the opening sequences and the way the house looked and everything. We didn't know from week to week how things were going to unfold or what kind of story they were going to tell. So it really made the show uh, interesting in that standpoint because you really were just kind of dragged along. Yeah, 1,000%. And the internet hype about it was fun because you had your... your you know, your typical internet nerds who know what it is and knows what it means. And they have deep theories about what the commercials mean. And they have deep theories about who the villain's going to be. And oh my God, did you look in the wallpaper? You can see this shape. And it's been a while since I fell, I felt like I was enjoying the internet hype about something. And there wasn't a lot of haters. The people who didn't like it kind of stayed away from it. And the people that enjoyed it were like diving into it claws first um, and then the show did an excellent job at little twists like the Pietro one, um, little Easter eggs like the Speed and Wicca one. Um, so, yeah, beginning to end, I I didn't even know that villain so well. Um, I, did, I was unaware of Agatha. 
I remember the name Agatha Harkness, but I wouldn't have been able to pick her out of a lineup. So even that, I was like, oh, cool. Now I have a, another comic book thing to go look at, to go read up on Agatha Harkness. Because I had no idea what her comic book story was. And I've read Avengers. Um, just sort of, she's older Avengers than I am. Yeah, when when her name first came up, I honestly, the first thing my brain went to was like, is she Hellfire Club? Like, because that's the, the sure. name just had that kind of feel to it. I similarly <laughs> thought like Dracula by Night sort of stuff. So yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, yeah, I was I was unfamiliar with her, um, and I I think I think in a way that's a good thing because I think if they had pulled out like a major known villain like there are people thinking Mephisto you yeah, know I was stuff like say that. perhaps a Mephisto um I almost think that would have taken away from the main characters of the show uh because they really were the stars of the show and now we've also come to find out that Agatha is uh a major uh big bad player in the Doctor Strange movie coming out um I didn't know that that makes yeah. me so super happy yeah so that'll be pretty fun to see um, but this is specifically talking about the series finale, which was aptly yes. called the series finale. The that, that was that was their name for this episode. Uh, which I mean, part of it almost feels like phoned in, but then again, it doesn't. If you look at some no. of the other episode names, uh, it, it kind of actually makes sense. Yeah, it fits the and it fits the meta of of the show to show to show different things, right? Um. But in that episode, we get a very quick, we start with the pre-lesson of who Agatha is, mm -hmm. where she is being burned alive um, as a witch on the stake, and she goes and Highlanders, all of them. Um, and immediate, what I liked about that opening sequence is it establishes, number one, um, magic is real in the Marvel Universe. I mean, yes, we know through Doctor Strange, but it, it gives it another layer. Like, it's not just a bunch of sort of people with magical powers. There's the Salem Witch Trials and, and all of that sort of ties in. Puritanical world all sort of dives in. Um, and it sets her up as like a badass right from the start because she's just up a whole coven of badasses. That was a pretty cool scene to see. It really um, was. Kind of how the uh, the the Agatha that we're seeing in this episode kind of came about. Um, we we definitely everything kind of comes to a head in this episode. Uh, Agatha attempts to try to take Wanda's magic and is uh, mainly looking to take that magic because we've come to the realization that Wanda has basically created matter. Uh, we were all right. led to believe that she had stolen Vision's body uh, out of the sword compound uh, when we find out that that wasn't the case. And it was so well done. We had a, uh, we had a Facebook group uh, mm -hmm. where we would discuss uh, Friday's WandaVision episode the Sunday after. So we gave everybody kind of three days to watch it. And there were some heated comments in that group about, I thought Marvel was better than this. I can't believe that they would go back and retcon something. We clearly saw this thing happen in episode four, and now they're they're kind of rewriting it to say that it didn't happen. And I had to go back and rewatch episode four, 
And we saw in episode four exactly what we saw in episodes eight and nine of her storming in, her breaking the glass, her flying down to Vision's body. And it was just kind of an assumption on the viewer's part that when they said, and Wanda stole Vision's body, that our brain kind of filled in the rest of her carrying the pieces out of the sword compound when that never happened. We saw on the security camera exactly what we saw in that episode when she came in and kind of said her final goodbyes to Vision. So knowing that Vision now exists sheerly through Wanda's power and will, Agatha was like, "Uh, I need to get me some of that because (laughs) that isn't a thing that should be able to happen. Uh, So I need to steal me some of that and use it for my own nefarious purposes. Now, to that point, I was not part of said Facebook group. Uh, now I am, but so I, I wasn't there for that kerfuff. And I don't know why, but I legitimately kind of knew that she had brain-created vision, or at least I had assumed that. I think that was my assumption from the start, especially when we saw you know, him spread out in a gazillion pieces, you know, maybe she stole his head or something, but yeah, I think I just, I, I picked up a different key cue somewhere that, uh, she built him, but I guess the fact that he was 100% fiction, but that, that seemed okay with me because the kids were also 100% fiction. Yeah. I didn't have a problem with it. It's just, it was weird that people kind of created their own, scenes where she walked out with parts and then, you know, kind of sat down and ooga-booga'd the parts together to make vision as yeah, opposed to me- just like creating him out of thin air. And I guess you want to know what my brain sort of, that's probably why I just assumed she magicked him that way because I don't think Scarlet Witch Marvel version or any would be a a high tech engineer that's not her station she's she's a high class wizard mage witch so she wouldn't no matter what she did it wouldn't be reconnecting wires it would be magicking shit together so he's magic together so he's made a magic <laughs> yeah i don't know that anybody actually thought she was sitting there with like a soldering you know, iron. A, a vice grip and a soldering iron putting them back together but that she would have had the pieces and magic to the pieces together um, okay but, so it's almost, almost the same thing yeah yeah but I mean, it's it's different. Uh, that's almost like, you know, to, to, to pull out my nerd card, that's mm. almost like creating a golem. You know, you have the pieces. I'm just animating them. Yes. This is, this is, I am creating matter where there was nothing there before, strictly from my sheer power and will. Uh, and that's where, that's what Agatha saw as completely outside the boundaries of what... Th- the, her normal power should be, especially untrained as she is, so says Agatha. Uh, so yeah, so I need to get me some of that. Um, while they're having their showdown, uh, Vision Squared are having their showdown. My, I would say that if there's one part of this show that was weak, and I not weak so weak that it, it like, uh but weak enough that I went, that was easy. Um, It was the final resolution between uh, the visions. Right. Um, Because white vision and color vision, which I thought was very funny, are fighting it out. 
great fight scene. Like across the board, the fight scene between them and that library is is super fun to watch. Um, but they have a, and this part I did like because the Vision is always an intellectual character as much as he is like a badass. Um, they have sort of a brain off, a ship of Theseus. I think does they they mention ship of Theseus specifically, don't they? Yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah, that's they, the whole the whole bit. That's the whole yeah. That's the whole who's on first bit that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm a huge fan of that of that concept, that metaphor. So that was very neat that they have a battle of wits and even um, fake vision or more real vision, depending which way you look at it. It lets himself fall into a logic hole with uh, Wanda's vision to which neither of them are, are actually quite sure which one is the vision, which was very cool. I think it was resolved a little too cleanly and a little too quickly, but the end result of it was very smart for in a very comic book way for them to say in whatever movie they need him, whether it's black Panther two or Avengers six. Um, and the vision's back. Cause they did that. They, they allowed him to reappear. It'll be a different vision than the one we had here. Um, well, will it be, but will it only, be only a missing a couple hours? I guess he'll be missing any minute after, uh, vision Blanco flew off. I mean, if a is if a vision has all of his components replaced, is he still fundamentally the same vision? Yes. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, it's and, and and so this is one of those things where I always talk about the one thing that I love that Marvel has done is they always find some way to set some sort of precedent no matter how small or minor, for something that they want to do bigger down the road. Oh, yes. This is no different than Phil Coulson coming back after getting killed in the first Avengers movie and being in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And if you've seen all of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I think there's been three or four different Phil Coulsons throughout the whole series (laughs) of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, but it's always Phil Coulson because he comes back, you know, he has the memories, he just knows... Damn it, it happened again, didn't it? All right, fine. So now we're here. Uh, yeah. So it's, they, they've kind of used that in the small, and on the, the uh, I'll say the small screen, even though WandaVision was a TV show as well. But this is, this is going to have much more far-reaching impact because whereas Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. never left the small screen, clearly these characters on WandaVision are going to come back to the big screen at some point in time in the future. So uh, it is important that they managed to find a way to bring a vision back um, and have him available uh, in a functioning aspect for the movies going forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's almost like the wrestling equivalent of a dark match. You know, it's because, very much so. Because if you never watched WandaVision and you see Avengers where he dies and then you'll see him come back, I'm sure they'll kind of gloss over some quick thing as to how he's back, you know, in, in a two line monologue uh, in the movie. So if you didn't see it, you're not lost. But nothing has really changed. The net gain is still there. The one thing I was to, to your point about them sort of laying out their their payoffs for later that's what's kept the Marvel-o-verse 
so much ahead of the game than the DC overse. Uh, and this is no shot against um, your Supermans and your Batsonmans. The perfect example. There is a picture that happened during, uh, maybe this was even in said Facebook group that we talk in, uh, a picture of the museum in which they are showing off sort of the Cap Museum in Winter, uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon. And there is a pic of Captain America holding a like Lucky Moon Chinese food truck door. Yes. And if you go watch that scene in that movie, there is a guy taking a picture. So there's a this weird correlation that they keep track. They have really brilliant detailers that are keeping track of like little shit. Like where were people, do we know people are taking photos? They could have been any picture there. But they chose one where they knew there was a guy holding a camera. Could it be coincidence? Sure. It's probably not though. Um, I think they do that a lot, where they leave little crumbs all over the place. Like, if we found out that Wanda's father, to tie this back to the end, um, has a secret plot where he's Mojo, which is a, a X-Men villain um, who's all about this crazy TV world, you'd be like, oh my god, they laid that out in WandaVision. Right, right, right. He was there. They just changed it to he was in Sokovia. Um they're very good about going, we might use this, so let's just keep it here. We might do the Young Avengers, so let's just put them in those cute costumes. Um, and now all of us chomping at the bit because they did Isaiah in um, Falcon Winter Soldier, another world, another episode. This point about the TV shows and Sokovia, because we have Agatha and Wanda doing a travel through Wanda's history is the one part in our predict how WandaVision is going to go. I got right. It was the pause, one thing. Pause your audacity. Unpaused. Count us down. Three, two, one. Beep. Okay. So the one part that I was right about in our WandaVision um, how is it going to go episode was the part in Sokovia when they're watching when um, Wanda is watching TV with her parents and we see why she's chosen these shows it was the one thing that I felt real severe about was that Marvel doesn't miss a, miss a skip so there's a reason she's chosen black and white TV and weird sitcoms and, and all that um, so the fact that her dad would bring home DVDs and it was their favorite thing to do. That felt good to me because it justified that one thing that I really wanted there to be an answer to. Yeah, you're right. Marvel never does anything uh, randomly or just, ah, let's just use this. There's always right. a reason or a meaning behind it. Uh, to the point where, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, in that last episode, they're walking past uh, the movie theater in Westview. Uh, and one of the movies showing at the Westview is called Tadhauser Gate. I did not notice that, and I'm not. Please. Tadhauser Gate was something mentioned by Roy Batty, Rutger Hauer's uh, character uh, from Blade Runner when he was the replicant. Oh. 
uh, in his whole they disappear like tears in the rain. He mentions Tannhauser Gate. So, yeah, those little kind of things like Marvel, they they have somebody on the payroll. I don't care if they're paying them like 15, 20 bucks an hour. I don't care if they're paying them in, in, you know, chicken nuggets. But they have some dude whose sole job it is is to go through and connect dots and shit like that. So, yeah, when, when you're talking about that kind of thing, just the fact that. Like you were saying, that's in the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier in that that Steve museum, that memorial thing that they have. Yes. They have that black and white picture of him holding that car. And then if you go back and watch Captain America, the first Avenger, there's that scene and you see that dude off to the side taking that picture where they got that. It's it's non-believable, like the amount of detail yeah. and, and, and dots that they will connect for continuity's sake, where other TV shows would just be like, we don't need to explain where that picture came from. There was somebody right. there with a camera. Who cares? You know, people are with cameras all the time. And because 99.9% of an audience isn't going to go back and look. Right. And be like, oh, it's just a scene from a movie. But you know, specifically with the Marvel movies and the Star, the modern Star Wars, that if you go look, you may find there may be something there for you. Now, <clears throat> to that same point, the person who found that connection very well could have gone and looked at six other photos and went, oh, that's just a still shot. And it just so happened that one has a guy with a camera. But the fact that there's a guy with a camera there is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, so we so have we have the vision beating vision, so to speak. Uh, send, sending white vision off uh, with newly minted memories of being vision in his capeza. Uh, we have uh, Wanda who turns the tables on Agatha from the whole, oh, you can't use your magic if you're in a room that's lined with magic resistant runes from another witch. That, like, very rarely do I follow along or, or I should say think far enough ahead when watching a show like this where I see where the train is going. I'm much more happy to just be on the train and kind of go where it takes me. But when she was all just willy-nilly throwing hex spells and Agatha was being all cool, like, ha-ha, look, I'm dodging all your stuff. I'm like, right. she's putting runes up all around this hex, isn't she? Like, I kind of saw the end of that coming, and I was I was kind of happy that's where it went. I um, didn't. I'm so thrilled that uh, that it was... I'm going to be honest, I didn't realize that it was then that she was putting up all those runes. Right. I, I thought that was kind of cool. Like, yeah, no, that's wonderful. It makes me want to go back and watch that specifics because I'm sure there's little in the back, if you're paying attention, you know, little glimmers of them coming alive. But uh, the minute that all the runes sort of lit up, I was like, oh, that's so good. They knew what they were doing four episodes ago. That still shocks me. I yeah. think I've just watched so much shit TV. Well, because don't forget, Agatha had been using her magic throughout that episode up until that point. And she was getting Akira levels. Yeah, of like and then she goes buff. to use it, and it wasn't there, and I'm just like, oh, because she threw all those runes up. That was good. Um, so that was you very like cool. Runes? So so uh, we have Vision beating Vision. We have uh, Wanda beating Agatha. And then uh, we see the the new current spring 2021 uh, WandaVision costume, which I have to say, loved it. Yeah, it was choice. It, and you want to know what? I saw how appreciated that one was on the indoor nets. Um, 
like if you want to make a badass woman in armor or a woman superhero costume and not have it be like overly sexualized or you know stupid here's wanda um because it was just cool looking armor it hailed back to her comic book stuff without you know being a swimsuit and tights it it just looked great it was just super cool that this is the wanda we will get in the future um if and or when we see her appear in the movies again oh i think we will i think we're going to see her in in strange too oh she'll be in there too i guess that would make sense i've gotten to the point with the marvel i mean you know this about me i don't watch or read yeah i i only tend to know the biggest globules of what's going on because I like to be surprised. So that's very cool that you'll be in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the assumption. What I, I will say, that- one of the things that did kind of disappoint me a bit was the whole Ralph Boner thing. Yeah, that was 100% about to get to that too. Um, I mean... I get why. Yeah, I get why too, but <sighs> they could have used anybody else. Anybody else. Well, they want. I mean, they knew what they were doing. But that's the thing. To for the sake of the story, they could have used anybody else. This was strictly a kick in the box to the audience because they brought in the other Quicksilver. You know what I mean? So they de- they 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 didn't need to do that to make the story what they were telling work. Oh my God, she recast Pietro. Could have been done with anybody. Could have been done with Jordy LaForge. Could have been done with, you know, the dude who made the sound effects in the Police Academy movies. It didn't have to be that actor who had played that same character in a different movie franchise under a different production company. That was strictly just a fuck with us. Two points of note. One, I really, I like that for some reason Pietro in your head is a black guy. I'm just saying it it could have been anybody. It doesn't matter. Could have been you. I know. Um, yes, it could have been. And I think it was their one in the exact same way that, um, when Disney bought Star Wars, all of the Disney television shows that were on right then, like, I think it was, uh, Once Upon a Time was the the big one, had a bunch of Star Wars references. They just sort of sprinkled them in just to say, hey guys. We know. Um, I distinctly remember them play like in Once Upon a Time, he had like Star Wars bed sheets and like a Darth Vader poster, the kid in his room. And so there was very much a, yep, we know. Um, I think this was equal parts that, and I don't mind the buzz about this one. They know who we are, you know, that nerds are going to nerd and that we're going to ask stupid questions and we're going to overanalyze. You know, they knew for the last six months people were going, Mephisto, Mephisto. So they knew we were talking about, hey, what are they going to do with the X-Verse? What are we going to do about the X-Verse? Are we going to bring in a new X-Verse? Is there going to be a multiverse with the X-Verse? So the concept of having Pietro be that Pietro you're right. It was meta. And I just don't, maybe I don't see it as much of a kick in the teeth as much as a, oh, I can't wait to see what they do with this. And then be, yes, disappointed. Um, it's because I dislike the X-Men movies. 
So I wasn't ultimately disappointed. It was actually thrilling to me that he has nothing to do with that. Um, but I can see why some people would be upset about it. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a definite disappointment moment where you go, oh, it's just a dude with a shitty name. I mean, it, it's just... And it's like when, and and it's not like I'm trying to say I know Marvel better than Marvel or no, Marvel should no, listen to what I say. Uh, it's just that this I felt that this was a perfect opportunity for them to bring in uh, the X Verse um, and kind of explain why it hadn't been around before. However, uh, we may be getting that. Fingers crossed with Loki. So we'll see. Now, to give that one counterpoint, uh, maybe if we look at this sort of inverted, they did. Because they said, hey, here's the actor who played this part in the X-Men universe. Here he is in Marvel. Coincidentally playing a character who may or may not be that same X-Men character. But he's not him because the X-Men universe isn't here. And those guys, those actors, those people, those characters, they may be in the Marvel universe somewhere, but it's not the ones you know. It's not the guy who played Logan and the, the guy who played Cyclops and the guy who played Sabretooth. And it, it's going to be a whole bunch of new kids that we have raised up on our channel who are all looking for their big break and they're coming soon, but it's not those guys. Oh, I absolutely agree. It's not going to be uh, that it wouldn't have been all the other ones. Like they're not going to bring Famke Jansen in or, you know, right. Right. But, but I think that was very much them saying <sighs> we're starting over. Say goodbye to Pietro. You liked him. You're, you're probably right. That's probably, that's probably a far more fair assessment um, than what I was thinking, which is why I don't, you know, write story arcs for Marvel. But I do. Um, that being said, yes, uh, please. The, she does have to say her goodbye to Vision again, which we kind of did predict that that was going to be the thing, that Vision, yes. we were both right and wrong because we predicted that Vision wasn't going to survive through the end of it, and he kind of didn't because White Vision flew off, and you know I'm sure he has to go through some soul searching and finding of himself. So Wanda had to say goodbye to this Vision when she tore down the hex. Um... And then uh, after she tears down the hex, she makes her peace with Monica Rambeau uh, and then basically kind of goes into hiding until we get some mid-credits and end-credits scenes, which I thought were pretty cool. Yep, to, I think the, she has to go into hiding and I get that and I loved, I, the one thing I loved about the last sequence is She's walking down the middle of the street of the town. All these people she's fucked with. All these people she's, from what we understand, hurt. And I could see how people would be upset with her not having to sort of pay for the consequences of those actions. But there definitely was a social ramification that I think we're going to see in the future. She, she done goofed. And she has to own her goof. And... I'm thrilled that those people weren't like, oh, Wanda, it's okay, slug on the shoulder. You're still an Avenger to us. Um, they were scared of her. Oh, absolutely they were. And and I think that is a great place to put some of your heroes. Um, it, it leads to good storytelling. So the fact that she didn't face 
any consequences for what she did. She hasn't on the world stage yet. She, of course, is is paying for it emotionally, pages upon pages upon pages. Well, and don't forget, this is the second major fuck up that she's done. Oh yeah. So you know this. Uh, there's a good reason that she went into hiding this time. And there will only probably be more pressure on her and the Avengers and her, you know, superhero compatriots uh, going forward because of what happened. You know, she was the reason that, uh, you know, the uh, King T'Chaka was killed uh, amongst others. Uh, So, you know, she has there's a lot of red in her ledger to quote some other characters. superheroes and their comments uh, that she's going to have to, you know, balance out. I, part of me wants to hope that, uh, wanted to hope that the last episode would feature sort of this depowering her or her emotionally depowering herself or um, if only, again, because my bias is Scarlet Witch is too powerful. She's too easy to utilize to, to fix a problem. Um but I like that she is a broken, tortured, messed up character because the Wanda that we get in the Avengers that I'm aware of, which is disassembled Avengers um, and beyond, that's who she is. She is she is a fractured person. Um, and the comic story about her sort of imagining her life with her children and vision um, is replicated very well here without it being soap opera comic booky, which is what the actual comic book story was about much more. Uh, this felt the right level of soap opera and the right level of intensity and the right, the right level of like, she's probably not okay. So we don't know what she'll be like in the future. So uh, we get to the mid-credit scene where we see Hayward, who is the head of S.W.O.R.D., yes. uh, arrested for uh, fucking with the evidence, which is good because his comeuppance was due. Uh, and then uh, an FBI agent pulls Monica aside to have a private one-on-one with her. And once they get inside the movie theater away from prying ears, we find out that it's not just an FBI agent. It's a scroll. Scroll. Uh, and that a friend of Monica's mother, Maria, wants to speak with her. Uh, so I'm fairly certain that that's going to lead into Captain Marvel 2. That would make sense. Um, and then in the end of credit scene, we get uh, she's studying from the Darkhold uh, and can hear her kids calling for help, which was intriguing since her kids were just another construct of her uh magical power the same way that she made vision yeah so that was Uh, i'm guessing i have to assume that'll lead to strange since that's going to get into the ether and the you know the magic o spheres um i'm intrigued to see what they do with monica because she has a fairly lengthy comic book history um and she's not a prime runner, a list character. She's been in a lot of great comics Um, between, you know, she was in the, I think the Thunderbolts at one point and the, the sort of relaunch of the Avengers um, agents of hate or something, but it leaves her to be a player later. Cause she now has powers. 
Um, I The Skrull Secret War thing intrigues me. But I think you are correct. I think both of those storylines move to Captain Marvel since that's where the scrolls were seen. And I think maybe they're going to keep that bubble there. I don't know if it'll flow over into other Marvel properties. You know, I don't think it'll become an Avenger story. It won't be Secret War all of a sudden Hawkeye's a scroll. Um, but uh, I definitely think it'll be part of Captain America, or Captain Marvel too. Yeah. And I mean, I think it could be the next big uh, overarching series that they do it could become it could. The, it could become the next thanos but i think they're gonna they're gonna kick it off in that next captain marvel movie and i think so with that t- i think i'm sorry i think loki is going to lead into uh doctor strange as well that would make sense since <laughs> did you see the did you see the most recent trailer for loki nope the only one i've only seen the db cooper one and that's because we talked about it okay yeah I will watch it if you want to spoil things, please. It's a trailer. Well, they it. they do make they do make reference that uh, in Endgame, uh, Loki fucked the timeline by taking the Tesseract and leaving. Uh, right, and you kind of see it's it's Owen Wilson. Wow, they're looking at this this little graph that's just like a straight line bar of the the timeline. And it's underneath video of him, you know, in the handcuffs and, you know, the big no talkie mask where he kind of just like bends down, picks up the Tesseract, takes a step backward and disappears. Mm -hmm. And then you see that single line just kind of like become branches and start scattering out. So they're like, you fucked up the timeline when you did that. So since we're talking about the multiverse of madness... I think Loki is going to help kind of set that whole thing in motion. Even though we've seen in the previous Strange movies and in Thor Dark World, there's different dimensions and everything like that. Yeah, I think yeah. this is really going to bring the whole multiverse thing home to roost. That's... Think, just think about Iron Man 1. <laughs> oh my God, they made a superhero. And now we're talking about they're going to do the multiverse. Yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> So with that, what did you think overall was the end of this show a satisfying finale? I, th- I think it's hard to even judge whether it's a good episode unto itself because these characters are so history begotten at this point. But do you feel that the end of the series, this episode, tied enough together to call it a good finale? A good finale? Uh, <laughs> so... I will say yes, and the reason I will say that is because it tied up the story that they wanted to tell in this TV show. Uh, Yes, it definitely sets up a jumping-off point for other things to be done, but to tie up the story that they wanted to tell, yes, I do. Uh, It was not uh, anywhere near the highest-rated episode of this show. Um... It was the, I mean, there's nine episodes, so it's the fourth lowest rated episode, the series finale. Uh, surprisingly, the first episode came in at a 7.5, the second came in at a 7.8, and the third was an 8.2, and then everything else was like eight nines or nines, uh, except for series finale was an 8.4, and breaking the fourth wall was an 8.5. Uh, still not bad when every episode that you have is, you know, seven and a half or higher at a 10. Yeah. Um, and I think some of, I would actively say that, that looking at thinking about those ratings numbers, 
the average of people who went into the show to enjoy it is probably higher because it's this type of show. So there is a segment of people that went in and just put zero because they didn't want to like it. Um, I, I agree with you. I think that it is hard to judge these shows singularly. So it makes it a hard show to sit there and go, yes, WandaVision was a completely contained self-enclosed story because it most certainly wasn't. Um, but for the story it told of this is the mental breakdown of Scarlet Witch and her sort of self-realization of mourning and etc. and the next part of her story, I think it, it served a wonderful purpose, a great ending to, to move us to whatever's next. I agree. What about you folks out there? What'd you think of WandaVision? Did you enjoy it? Did you hate it? Do you think we're completely off our rocker? Do you think that that actually is Pietro and not John Boner? Where Ralph. can they find... Whatever. Ralph Where can they find all that information? You can find everything about us over at somethingcast.com. Uh, that has all the buttons and widgets and doodads in which you can listen to us on your favorite podcatcher of choice. Also has the link to the Twitch channel, which for those of you who have joined us this evening in our Twitch channel, you know exactly where it is. For those who haven't been here yet, you can check us out over at twitch.tv slash somethingcast. Uh, we do random gaming throughout the week, and one Tuesday night a month, we will be here again next month, uh, broadcasting us recording a podcast episode that is to be determined. Uh, as we are wrapping this up, let me just simply say that we are still once again being sponsored by Quixotic Games. Uh, they are still taking late entries for their Kickstarters, uh, so please go over and check them out at quixoticgames.com. has all the information for their Kickstarter, for their Core Worlds card games, and the uh, new board game Nemesis coming out. So definitely check that out. If you are listening to us on this episode, when it comes out at the end of April, please go over and check out LivestreamForTheCure.com. We are once again uh, thrilled and honored to be part of Livestream For The Cure 5. This is the fifth year for the Livestream. This is our third year of being involved. Their goal this year is to raise $15,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. It is 50 hours of programming through numerous amazing podcasters and content creators over four days from March 19th to March 21st. We will be part of it again. We will be posting more as we get closer what our time slot is and what we'll be talking about. Please go to livestreamforthecure.com so you can either donate uh, and help us uh, come up with a world that is immune to cancer, which is their ultimate goal. Uh, and also you can check us out and all the other great content creators that will be part of that show Tuesday, March 18th. I will be attempting to do a 12-hour stream on our Twitch stream of playing various video games from 9 a.m. Eastern to 9 p.m. Eastern, and I will be spamming the hell out of their donation link in the chat. So if you would like to donate some money to that earlier, you can either come to the 12-hour live stream, you can scroll down to the About section on our Twitch channel and click on the live stream for the Cure banner, or you can go to livestreamforthecure.com, which will bring you to their Facebook page that has the link for their donation is there too. It is an amazing group of people, and I am continuously honored that they come to us every year now and say, hey, we want you guys to be a part of it again. Uh, yes. So we are looking very forward to that. So please definitely check that out as well. I think that says it all and then some. So without further ado, thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Twitch, for being here. We will see you guys next month, first Tuesday of the month, twitch.tv slash somethingcast. If uh, that name sounds different, it is. With I'm James Hatton. I'm Podcast Rob. This has been the end. Talk to you later. Yeah.
something, 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 something. Okay, here we go.